0: All right, I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12, and we will be finishing the book of Daniel today. Uh, Technically, we are just doing Daniel chapter 12, verse 14 through 13. Although, when I read, I'm going to read all of Daniel chapter 12 just so that we kind of remember a little bit of that context. Um, You know, not everything that is broken can be fixed. in our modern world of technology, we tend to think that everything can either be fixed or it can be easily replaced. And, and for the most part, that might be true, but there are things that once broken, they absolutely cannot be fixed. When we find things or encounter things that cannot be fixed, it disturbs us because we're used to either a disposable culture where if it if it gets broken we just throw it out and replace it, or some way that things can be fixed, something that some way that things can be corrected. So when, for example, we run into major issues that can't easily be fixed, it it really disturbs us on a deep level. So, for example, we look at, um, you know, the sickness of of a loved one or our own sickness and we say, well, why can't this be fixed? We know so many things about medicine now and so much about the human body. Why can't this be fixed? And that's probably one of You know, the first encounters that many of us have with the fact that not everything can be fixed is when we watch a loved one go from healthy to sick and and then they pass away and we know not everything at that point can be fixed. If we look at America today, there are some very complex problems that that people are, are struggling with and they're dealing with. Um, and, and people are looking for these quick and easy solutions. They want something short and simple that they can chant and then, and then get the government to vote on it. But problems like we have in our country, they can't be fixed easily. And in some cases, they're just not going to get fixed until the Lord himself comes back. Because at the core... Of a lot of our problems, uh, the core of a lot of the problems that that plague this world is is sin. And if you're not going to get rid of sin, then then you're not going to fix some of these problems. When we look at the the, the major issues plaguing America today, you see that that. You hear people say, well, they're not taking personal responsibility or they're not this, that, or the other. But at the end of the day, when you really boil it all down, it is the fact that people are constantly and steadily living in rebellion to the word of the Lord. And when they live in rebellion to the Lord, there is conflict. There is not peace. There is the opposite of peace. There is there is a war that wages, even in our own country, when we look at the problems in our street, when we look at the problems in, in, in all over the world, you know, we expect things to happen fast. We expect some kind of immediate result. We expect next day delivery. We expect to be able to, you know, stream something on TV as soon as it comes out in the theaters. And now actually we can do that. And so we expect things to happen fast, but it doesn't always happen that way. So every generation of God's people will suffer the effects of this kind of brokenness. You know, and, and when we look at Daniel, and we look at the kind of the message, not just of, of his book, but all of biblical prophecy. One of the points that God is making is that this world is broken, and there is a process to getting it fixed, but it's not going to happen quickly. It's not going to happen in a hurry. It's not going to happen in, in one lifetime. Um, and it will not be changed ultimately until the Lord steps in and actually makes it right. So our hope is not in immediate immediate events our hope is not that certain things will happen and then it will fix everything probably there are people that thought if the government will just pass this stimulus all my worries and cares will be be fixed but it didn't fix anything for anybody they they got a little money but it didn't really fix anything and probably there are people out there if the government would just do this or if you know the local government would just do this or if, if my place of work would just do this or if if they the invisible they would just do this it would fix things our hope can never be in the agencies of man. No matter who it is, whether it be you know, the, the government, which we know is 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 flawed and, and corrupt in, in some areas, or, or the organizations that stand against the government that's just as corrupt and just as problematic as those, all those are agencies of man, and agencies of man are still poisoned by sin. So we can't have our hope in those things. Our hope has to be in the Lord. We, if we want to have... Hope. We're going to have to be looking at the big picture that God has painted for us and understand where we are in that context. And we will need to wait on the Lord if we want to see this world ultimately be renewed. So here's the sermon in the sentence. We live in a broken world that cannot be fixed by human means. But God has a plan for the judgment and renewal of this world. And we must endure spreading his wisdom until the end. I know that's a long sentence. It's possibly a run-on. If it is, don't tell me. It would hurt my feelings. Uh, But the idea is is that this world is broken. And and it's not going to fix itself, and it's not going to get fixed by the actions of mankind. We are going to have to endure. We are going to have to wait for God to come in and make things right. And he's promised that he will do that. Meanwhile, we've got to stand firm in the word of the Lord and share that word with other people. That's what we have to do. So let's read Daniel chapter 12. It's only 13 verses. He says, At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people, that would be Israel, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as has never been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise, will uh, or shall shine like the brightness of the sky above and those who turn many who and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever but you Daniel shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase then I Daniel looked and behold two others one on this bank of the stream and one on that bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream, How long shall it be till the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times, and half a time and that when the the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, O my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? He said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, But the wicked shall act wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. And from that time, and from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away, and the abominations that make desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. But go your way till the end, you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. And this is how Daniel concludes his book, or this is how the book ends, anyhow. um, And and so we're going to look at this... not necessarily going item by item, but kind of going theme by theme. And the first major theme here is the wise and the wicked. So if you look particularly in verse three, it says, "And many of those um, are, and, and those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever." So there are wise people, uh, and, and, and we definitely see that. and, and De- Daniel is pointing out that there are two kinds of people, wise people and wicked you know normally we would expect to see a a division more like righteous and wicked not wise and wicked but daniel points to wisdom um, or the life-changing knowledge that comes only from the lord so it you know there's there's differences between wisdom and and knowledge right and 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 we see that We, we see that a lot um, and, and it usually is characterized in the difference between younger people and older people. Younger people can be smart. They can have a lot of knowledge. They can know things. They can have read it in books. They can have learned it in school. Um, but when they get out in the real world, sometimes they fail to apply that knowledge appropriately. Wisdom is not only an accumulation of knowledge, but it's the ability to apply that knowledge in a way that actually makes sense in the world and works in the world. So that's, that's wisdom as, as it goes along. Now, obviously, wisdom a lot of times comes with a cost it comes at a cost and so why don't you hit your thumb with the hammer anymore because in wisdom you hit your or in in knowledge you knew that was gonna be a bad idea but after you hit your finger with the the hammer enough times your wisdom said move my hand out of the way and so you learn these things and 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 these are these are things that that comes along in other words knowledge may not change your actions but wisdom will And so what Daniel is saying is that wisdom, knowing God's word, and also changing to adapt to God's word, conforming to God's word, that's what wisdom is. And so it's another way to describe righteousness. And so what he's saying is that there are wise people and that there are wicked people. Now, People will know things apart from God. You know, we can see that in this passage. And 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 to be honest with you, verse four sounds so much like today. It may not be today, but it sounds so much like today. He says, But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. People are busy. People are learning. Technology is increasing. What we can do medically, what we can do with computers, what we can do by going into space and doing whatever they want to do up there, all of those things, that's knowledge. But is it the kind of knowledge that leads to wisdom, that leads to righteousness, that leads us to God? In some cases, maybe, but in most cases, no. People are running to and fro. They're gaining all kinds of knowledge, but when they put it together, they're missing it. They're missing it, and there's a reason, ultimately, that they're missing it. They're going over this world. They're increasing the knowledge. We can see people strive to understand problems that God has long explained. There are problems that people today, smart, smart people, are trying to solve. God's already solved that problem and explained it to us, but they won't listen to him. And so because they won't listen to him, it's almost as if that book is sealed for them. And so then they have to go about trying to find the right answer when they've already eliminated the right answer to start the whole conversation. And so that's been a problem. The knowledge people seek is in the word, but they can't hear it. And so I have a, uh, another, th- this re- reminded me of a passage in Amos, um, that is very similar. So Amos chapter 8 verse 11 through 12 says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east, and they shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. So God is not necessarily forcing people to be ignorant or to ignore him, but he is declaring that it will happen. People will be ignorant. They will ignore the Lord. And again, if this isn't today, it's going to be a day like today. It's going to be a day like this time where... When the Word of God is actually proclaimed, it makes people so uncomfortable that they don't want to hear it. They disagree with it. They argue with it. They go away from it. You know, the Bible says in another place that in the end days, people will gather to themselves teachers that will tickle their ears and tell them what they want to hear. And the reality is that's been happening in churches for a quite a good, a good amount of time, and it is happening in abundance now. There are people that they will they'll talk about all kinds of things but they won't deal with the fact that if we don't stop sinning, we haven't really engaged in a relationship with the Lord. What, what, he, what 1 John says is that those that go on into sin, they're not in Christ. He makes it pretty plain that we cannot live in sin as Christians. And so how is it that we can have sinners as preachers? How is it that we can have sinners as leaders in the church? How is it that we can blatantly go against the Word of God and yet claim to be Christians. We can't do that. It's a contradiction. And God, of all people, is not about contradictions. God is who he is. And he expects us to be his people, and not people that, that tend to like him some. We're not that. But that's what the world wants. The world wants us to be chill about the sins that they like, the world wants us to stand up and, and you know, maybe give our money to certain causes. The world wants us to, to feel sorry for those that are having a hard time no matter what the reason for the hard time is. The reality is we are given the heart of Christ. We love everyone in this world and we will help anyone in this world but we will also speak the truth. The truth is sin is an abomination before God and it must be dealt with in order to be right with God. Can we feed you? Sure, we can feed you. Can we make you safe? Maybe. Can, can we do certain things for you? Absolutely. But what we cannot do is sit by and not point out the sin because the Bible tells us what it is. You know, Daniel makes a pretty clear distinction. He doesn't say that there are people of different races. He doesn't even talk about gender or whatever that means in this day and age. What he says is there are wise people and there are wicked people. And it seems as if those that are wicked are wicked by choice. They have chosen not to listen to the word of God. They have chosen not to obey and to heed what he has to say. And so they go about gaining knowledge, but it's not knowledge that helps them. It's not knowledge that answers the questions. We know why there is violence in our streets. We know why our government can't be trusted. We know that the root of all problems is the sinful heart of man. The reality is any institution of man, by man, ran by man, will be corrupt. It will have problems in it. Because of sin, the sinful nature of us. And so when, when we looked at those things, organizations saying maybe they will help us, maybe they will be what we need to, to, to move forward, absolutely not. They are not, they cannot be because they are the agencies of man. When the Bible says only hope in God, that's what it means. Hope in God. Don't hope that these or other people or these other organizations are going to do things because even if they do things, somehow it will still be stained by sin. Ultimately, it is God. We place our hope in God. You know, the interesting thing is if you don't put any credit or any hope and demand on the front end, you certainly won't give him any credit on the back end, meaning that when things work out according to God's plan, you give God the glory, not man. We don't say, oh, you know, this person did this great thing and now things are better. No, God did this great thing and now things are the way that he has planned them to be until every person is brought into the submission of the will of the father we will continue to see brokenness in this world now when we read the bible we know that there are people who will willfully submit hopefully we are among that number and there are people who will submit but at the last days it says that every knee will bow so there is coming a day when there will be a reckoning when each person will recognize here is god he is the ruler he, we will bow down in other words where, where it says up toward the uh, the top there in verse 20 or, or verse 2 it says and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt every person will eventually give an accounting every person will be judged that's that's what he's saying so those that, that whose name is in the book and we know from the New Testament that would be the lamb's book of life those that have trusted in Jesus Christ as their savior they will wake to everlasting life but those ...who have rejected God will find everlasting shame and contempt. And that's what he's saying. So, until that day happens, we will be living in a broken world. When Daniel is told to seal this prophecy, it's not so that it can't be read or understood. It's to keep it safe until the end times. There are going to be people that will understand this from all the way back to all the way till now... But the reality is most people will read it and they'll say, nope, there's no way. That doesn't make sense. And even when you look at this, you're, you're thinking, so what does he actually mean by the time, times and half a times? What does he actually mean by the two uh, 1290 days and the 1335 days? What does he mean by those things? There are still some mysteries in this. And I believe that some of that will become clear in the last days. But overall, God is not making his word impossible to read or understand. He is just making it his word. And, and people... People will misunderstand it. People will shy away from it. People will reject it. And people will live the way that they choose rather than the way that God has declared. The Lord's not hiding knowledge from us or anyone else. He has protected it so that each and every generation can hear it. Sadly, most people in each generation neglect the word. And for them, it is a closed book. Now, can you imagine if you were not raised in a Christian culture? You weren't raised in a home, you know, that feared the Lord. You weren't raised, and, and, and someone just handed you a Bible one day and said, here, you need this. How would you know where to start? How would you understand it? That's where I can kind of, that's where I can really identify, you know, the the, the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, and and, and and the eunuch is riding in this chariot, he's riding along, he's reading Isaiah, and Philip, you know, apparently is able to jog right alongside the chariot and ask, are you understanding what you read? And he says, how can I understand it unless someone explains it to me? And then Philip explains the, the whole biblical narrative to him, and he gets baptized in presumably a, a stream or a mud puddle. Um, but the idea there is is that that he needed help and everybody needs help. Everybody needs help understanding the Word of God. And so we, as, as the wise, and, and maybe, maybe you've never thought of yourself as wise, but if you are following after the Lord, if you have read His Word, you have accepted what God is saying, you've accepted His authority in your life, and you're living for Him the best way you can, you are among the wise as opposed to the wicked. We have to help people understand these things. So, the difference between the wise and the wicked is not intelligence, but the source of our knowledge. We're not smarter than anybody else. Some of y'all may be smarter than other people, but but as a collective whole, Christians are not smarter than non-Christians. That's not what this is all about. It's where we get our knowledge from. We draw our knowledge from God. God is the source of our knowledge, which makes it inherently stronger, brighter, and better. The wise of this world will learn from the Lord and teach others To learn from him as well. As Christian people, we're not supposed to say, Here, come and listen to me and hear me talk and hear my message. We are supposed to be bringing people to the Lord, to the source. Remember the story of the woman at the well. where where Jesus told her everything she'd ever done. She goes to the city and says, come and listen to this man that told everything that I did. She didn't go and proclaim Jesus's message. She just brought people to Jesus. That's ultimately the work of the church. We're not going to be able to speak for God because there is a a conversation that God through the Holy Spirit has in the heart of a person that we'll never actually be able to dictate. But what we can do is show people, here is Jesus. Here's what he did. Here's what he promised. And then you have to then decide whether or not you're going to believe that, whether that's, going to be a part of your life. So we have to bring people to a point where they begin to learn from God as well. So the next big theme is the two questions. How long? So both Daniel uh, or between Daniel and the angel, we get these two questions that definitely need to be answered. The angel wants to know how long until these things come to pass. And then Daniel wants to know how it's all going to happen. How, how are these glorious events going to happen? And I think Daniel's being respectful because when you read language such as, until the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, to call that glorious and miraculous, that, thats you're being nice there. When's this going to happen? How's it going to come to pass? How, how is all of this going to occur? And so those questions are the questions that we seek to answer. And so you can answer these questions uh, we will find the keys to living in the end times. And whether we are living in, like, officially the end times or not, we're living in that time before the end, and so it's still, this still applies to us. First of all, the time will be limited by the Lord's mercy. In the framework of Daniel's visions, um, seven years is a, is a time period. He, the 70 weeks, that's seven, that's 70 groups of seven. So, so what you're looking at is seven years is a time period for the Lord. So when he says time, times, and half a times, and also when he, when he refers to the 1,290 um, 1, days, what you're looking at is three and a half years. And so the message here is that God has shortened this particular time period. That's what we get at with that. When, when a time period is seven years and the Lord has shortened it. Now, is the Lord required to make it stick to these number of days? N- not that I'm aware of. But what we what it does mean is that God will shorten, intentionally shorten this period of time. We know that it speaks to the time of terrible persecution. He says that earlier. He says that in verse 1. And there shall be a time of trouble such as has never been seen has never been since there was a nation uh, till that time. Um, But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Um, and, and then and then again you know, later it talks about the shattering of, of the power of the people of God. So, so these two things, we know that this is, this is a struggle, that this is a persecution. It, it, it is difficult for all people on the earth, but it is specifically difficult for the people of God. So we know that this is going to be a challenging time, and God is intentionally shortening this time. And so it is shortly before the Lord comes to earth that this will happen. So it's a mercy of the Lord otherwise no one would be left that's something that we have to realize we can read more about this terrible time in the new testament we can read it from from the words of jesus himself he talks about this time paul talks about this time and then ultimately uh, john in the revelation talks about this time as well so we can see this time it is a reference to that time of great tribulation Um, the old testament calls it the time of jacob's trouble so we know That this time is going to be shortened only by the Lord's mercy. Otherwise, no one would be able to endure it. But another thing is the duration is known precisely by the Lord. The Lord knows exactly how long this is going to last, indicating that he is in complete control of what's going on. So the Lord goes into exact days when he says 1,290 days, uh, and his people must endure the full 1,335 days. The extra 45 days on the end is a mystery. It doesn't really get explained anywhere, um, but it may possibly be the amount of time that it takes for you know the, all the details to be handled and, and, and the new kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus Christ, to be inaugurated. There's some questions about what that really is, but that time frame, apparently there is a specific time in, in which Satan won't necessarily be ruling the world, but Jesus hasn't necessarily started ruling the world yet. There's going to be some, some interim period, And and that's what that is, ultimately. So, one thing is certain. While God knows exactly when and for how long all of this will last, no effort of human logic will ever unlock the dates or the times of judgment. I think I've seen whole documentaries just done on people that have tried to predict the end time based on what the Bible says. Um, It it always makes all of us Christians look like a joke because we are not going to predict the date. We're not going to know the time or the hour. That's not what any of this is given to us for. We were given this information so that we would have hope. The message is hang on. Hang on for the 1,290 days. Hang on for the 1,335 days. Hang on. That's what the message is given for, not so that we can get our calculators out and get out the Julian calendar and try to count up dates. That's not what that's for. That's not why it was ever given. And so when people do that, they make themselves into a mockery, and and thereby Christians, but also they make the Word of God into some kind of code book, and when it doesn't work out the way they've said it does, people then lose confidence and faith in the Word of God itself. That's not right. That's not how it's supposed to be. So we're not going to figure out when this is going to start, all those kinds of things. That's that's for God to understand. Now, what we do know is that once these things are obviously started, He has given us a a, a finish line. He has showed us when it's going to be over. So at some point, we may have some knowledge of when it's going to finish. But what we don't know is exactly uh, when it's going to start. God knows that precise duration. God knows when it will start. He is in control of those things, not us. Now... Even though some people think that God is overdue, he has an exact plan, and he will follow it down to the last detail. That's something that's very important, is that when we look at this world, we may say, Lord, you know, you gave us some check marks as the days of Noah, check. You know, evil is celebrated as good, check. Um, You know, the world is full of evil constantly. We may go through our checklist and say, yep, everything's there. You know, you you can start anytime you want to, God. We're ready. Bring bring on the persecution. Bring on the Antichrist. You know, show, show him to us. We may think that that's the way it is, but God has his own plan. And we have our own mission. We have our own job. And so that's what's very important to us. So the duration, the timing, that's all in God's hands. What's in our hands? We must persevere to the end. That's what we must do. We are given information about the end so that we can stand firm in the time of testing knowing that it's only for a little while. We are not given this to predict. We are not given this to hold God accountable. Who would even imagine doing that? We are given this so that we can know that we just have to hang on a little bit longer. We have to hang on. We have to stand firm just a little bit longer. God knew that if we didn't have any idea how long all this would last that we might be tempted to give up. That we might be tempted to despair, but that's not what we need to do. We need to hang on. Now, the sorrow of those days will be great, but the joy of the Lord is greater. So we must not compromise. We must not despair. What if some of the persecutions are more like temptations that are brought before the church? The temptation to sound more like the world than the word of God to look more like the world than the Word of God? What if some of these persecutions are more like the temptations of Christ? When you look at the way Jesus was tempted, Satan didn't care if he called himself the Christ. Sa- Satan didn't care if, if he, you know, acted kind of like righteous. What Satan wanted was for Jesus to be compromised. compromising, and, and then it's all said and done. He tried to compromise Jesus, but he failed has the church been compromised? Christians have been compromised. Many individuals have been compromised. The church of Jesus Christ is a spotless bride that will be presented to Him. But individuals have certainly went a long way to damage the reputation and the testimony that we have. And we can't can't allow that. We, We can't go that way. We certainly can't start being like the world if the church sounds like the world the church is wrong we are because we know who rules this world we know that we know that when people say we want diversity and acceptance they want different people but they want them all to think the same and the reality is there's not a lot of diversity in the Word of God, Daniel said there are righteous. Or Daniel said there are wise people, and there are wicked people. He didn't go into all these other distinctions that we make all the time. He said that there are two kinds of people. Our job is to persevere and to stand firm, no matter what the world throws at us, whether it be some kind of temptation or some kind of compromise, or whether it be absolute physical persecution. We have to stand strong. We have to stand strong in the might of the Lord in the last day and share the source of our strength with anyone who will listen. Not everybody's going to listen. Not everybody's going to listen to the Word of God. We know that, but we know that it is our mission to tell them. The rest of it is is in God's hands completely. So how then shall we live? The judgments of this world, or the judgments of the Lord on this world are because of sin. We know that we have been cured of the sickness through the work of Jesus Christ. So all of that that's coming to judge the world, we have been cured of that through the work of Jesus Christ. We cannot take away the approaching judgment, but we can help people find God's answer to sin. We can do that. So tell everyone that Jesus saves and that he's coming back. We have to bring people to Jesus. That's what we must do. In our lives, any way possible, we've got to bring them to Jesus. We, we can't help them escape the coming judgment. That, that is coming on the world. God has decreed it. It's going to happen. Different people are going to have different parts of it. But we know it's going to happen because God said it is. But what we can do is help people understand that Jesus dying on the cross made a way for us to be saved from our sins, to be redeemed. And so we have to declare that. We are still broken people, and for now, we live in the time between times. We're not in the old times. We're not necessarily in the end times unless we are. We're in that time in the middle, that interim period. We should not lose sight of the work because we do not know when the end will come. Now, if you read Scripture and you watch a little bit of news, you might think, well, Jesus is coming back tomorrow. There's just no way around it. He is coming back immediately. But what we don't need to do is lose sight of the fact that he may wait a generation. He may wait two generations. And so share the gospel with your family. Share the gospel with your friends. Share the gospel with everyone that you know, because it may be another generation or two. Can you imagine how bad it would be and how few people there would be proclaiming the word of God if he doesn't come back soon? So we need to be sure that we're proclaiming the gospel to this world. To all the people. To everyone. There are going to be people that are going to reject us. There are going to be people that are going to spit in our face. There are going to be people that are going to try to get us arrested. There are going to be people who are going to hate us for sharing the gospel with them. But at the end of the day, we don't stand before them. We stand before God and God gave us a mission. Now, we know that in everything God is victorious and we should live lives marked by joy. We are not Mourners. We are not sad over the way that the things are. We know that God is ultimately in control. If you look at tomorrow and isolate tomorrow and say, What's going to happen tomorrow? I have no idea. But I would imagine there's going to be some bad news tomorrow. There's been bad news yesterday, and there's bad news Friday, and there's bad news Thursday. So Monday's no different. It's Monday anyway. Certainly there'll be bad news. So when we look at this, yes, there will be sad things. But overall, God is victorious and we can live with joy knowing that he is in control so celebrate the lord and worship him every day until he comes let your life be marked by worship and celebration even that alone might be the thing that changes the way people hear you and receive you if you are as sour what's uh, as a lemon if you're as sour as a lemon all the time and then you say hey i've got great news i want to share with you People's never seen you smile before and all of a sudden you've got great news. Why would I listen to you? Let our lives be marked by the joy of the Lord. Let us celebrate Him. Let us take things in stride knowing that He's in control and then we might have an opportunity to share the gospel with people. That's how we live. That's how we live in this time. We know. We know what God has planned. We trust Him, but let us declare what He is doing in our lives and what He is going to do in their lives, if they will just listen and receive Him, let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we come to you this morning, and it is so humbling to know that you are involved in every detail of this world. There are things happening that we may not know about, but you know everything about them. You know the ways that that man strives for wisdom. You know the the emptiness that they search, seeking for some answer. You have given the answers, but so many people will not listen. I pray that we this morning listen to your word. We listen to the fact that Jesus is the answer, that Jesus is, has, has paved the way for our salvation. He mentioned that it's a narrow road and few will find it. But in another parable, he also said that the king sent out servants to the highways and the byways, all over inviting people. I pray that we would be those servants. We know there's, there's trouble coming. We, we know that, that this world is going to get a lot worse than it is now. We know that conditions. We know that all those who are well fed might one day be hungry. All those who feel safe might one day feel very threatened. We know that, that this time in between the times might come to an end in our lifetime or it may be later. But we know one day it's coming to an end. And so, Father, I pray that you would give us the urgency that we need to go out and tell people that you have made a way for salvation. There is no need for us to fear the judgment. There is no need for us to fear the things that are to come because you have provided a way of salvation for us. While this whole world can be broken, we can be fixed. And I pray that, I pray that you would help us to be your messengers with that message. A message of healing, a message of hope, a message of joy. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.